Hey everybody, welcome to The Cinema Nerd Presents, the filmography of Amy Heckerling. My name is Kyle Woods. I am here as ever with my co-host who's going to tell us about Look Who's Talking To, James. Look Who's Talking To! Oh my god. So, do we just get straight into this one? Okay, let's do it because honestly I don't have, I've been super busy. I have, you know what, no, no. Let's do one movie before we get into it because I do want to just say that I watched Clue recently and that movie fucking rules. Oh, nice. Um, What have we watched? No. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, couple films. Meet Joe Black. Okay. Have you seen that film? I haven't seen that one, but I, that's the one where he's like inhabited by the ghost of a Jamaican woman or? No, I... he's, he's inhabited by death. Oh, okay. And he talks to a Jamaican woman as a Jamaican. It, it, but the film is much more complicated than I thought it was going to be. Like, I thought it was like, I thought it was like, uh, like a supernatural rom-com. Okay. But it's, it's super complicated. Like, she's, she actually falls in love with the person who death takes the body of before death shows up. Uh, okay, wait. So she falls in love with a guy and then falls in love. dies. No, no. He's actually a guy. He's charming. She falls right. in love with him. And this he is gets hit in a car and dies. Death decides to inhabit the dead body and then happenstance becomes entwined with the girl that had fallen in love with the person before he existed. I gotta be honest, James, based solely on your love of Southland Tales, I'm gonna guess that you loved this movie. It was just, uh, yeah, like it's weird and uh, like it's yeah okay so yeah i I kind of really thoroughly did (laughs) but it's because it's complicated like he's kind of spooky like he is he is uh not a human like he's the embodiment of death so he doesn't really care about trivial things like humans (laughs) that much so he can be quite cold and a bit scary and so you're watching this like this otherworldly character inhibit, <laughs> inhibit the world. But he says things every now and then like offhand and you're like, Jesus, he could kill these people or he could, you know, like anything. <laughs> it's a rom-com of yeah. sorts, so it doesn't go dark, but it could. And I kind <laughs> of really thoroughly enjoy that part of it. Like, <laughs> that, I think I want to see that because I, my feeling about Brad Pitt, and I'm curious as to where you stand on this, is that he's like leading man good looks, but his real strength is character actor. Oh, so I think he's a character actor stuck in a um, beautiful body. Like, I think, I think he would have won Oscars, and I think he's a brilliant actor many times. He does truly inventive things with characters, really? um, but he looks too good for anyone to take him seriously. Yeah, absolutely. So in a movie where he has to play this physical embodiment of death and has the, like, the DNA of it excusing him to do a very charactery performance as a lead man, I could see that being really engaging. And I'm kind of it's, excited to see it. It's, it's a bit odd. So he is playing it odd. Like he is 
Um, he is off kilter, uh, kind of childlike wonder, but also like eternal knowledge, like, but a bit of both. Like he doesn't understand human things very well, but he's also been around for millennia. So it's a, it's an interesting. Dude, I just watched Bewitched actually. So I yeah. will talk about another movie actually. But, um, <laughs> so what have, what have you seen my friend? Okay, so yeah, Bewitched has the same thing going for it where it's like Nicole Kidman comes from a realm of witches and is yeah. somehow all powerful, but also just doesn't understand like how cars work you know or it's just shit like that where it's like what are the rules of this universe yeah. i don't know what's happening here so bewitched is terrible and it's not worth talking about the only thing i want to talk about is clue and everybody's already seen clue but it was the first time i'd seen clue oh really it's truly yeah i remember my my mom i think when i was really young telling me that i should watch this movie and maybe i was just like no i'm 11 and i'm never gonna do what you say and it took yeah. me until now to actually watch it. But, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say anything new about it. It just was a pure delight. And it, it sort of cued me into this thing because I also really love Knives Out. And oh, I, yeah. I, I haven't loved sort of, you know, those um, Agatha Christie style mysteries, for lack of a better term. What's the uh, estate manor mystery kind of thing? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's a good term for it. Sure. So... I'm not generally a fan of those things. And like, I really have not enjoyed any version of Murder on the Orient Express that I've ever seen. Yeah. But Knives Out and Clue. The recent one? I oh, didn't even see it. It's like, bad, dude. It's rough. And like, the, the original is, you know, fine. It's a solid movie. And this is like, I don't know, kind of, it's a movie. But the thing about it is there's this giant train called the Orient Express because it runs all the way through these sweeping landscapes. And in this version, that's all CGI. So what, what am I watching here? Why do it on this train? Just put it in a room somewhere. It doesn't need to be, whatever, I'm being cratchy. But, so I don't love these kind of bottle mysteries, but I've yeah. loved these satires. And they're not the best part of it. So they're fine examples of the thing that I think cinema does best, which is satiring a thing that it is also being. Yeah. And it just yeah, for sure. include like, nails that where it's just blowing you off the whole time and bringing you in the whole time. It's so, so, so good. And just like, kind of lustful and sultry in the way that old Hollywood used to be. Everyone is so beautiful and the, you know, whatever. I, I like had a great time. I like that because Knives Out, I hadn't thought of as being a satire, but it is, it definitely is because it completely undermines the whole telling you the premise in the opening scene of who killed who and what it all is. Yes. It's quite Brit, like quite great because it is kind of deconstructing the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, right. since we're talking about Knives Out, I'll just celebrate it for being a, a really special movie, even outside of a mystery movie, that it gives you an entire movie by the midpoint and then gives you a whole other movie that you're just as interested in and yet yeah. watching the same story. That's a real achievement of storytelling. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So, uh, that's what I've seen lately. Um, yeah, so the other one was Talented Mr. Ripley that I've yeah. seen. We just talked about that on Made in the 90s. 
Oh yeah, it is good. It's a like a true anti-hero film. Like you know, it, it's he's it's an interesting ride because he's yeah, not likable. Do you feel like where? Do you feel like his intentions turn uh, Ripley? I mean, you know, Tom Ripley, um, right? Matt Damon is Tom Ripley. Yeah. It's a few weeks now. That's right. So, do you th- he, does he start from a malicious point? When uh, I think he, I think he builds. I think he he had a like. I don't know the story. I didn't read the book, but my concept of it is that he came from a very rough background as a child probably kind of scamming his way through life to get to where he is his scams grow he leans into them so i think he was never intending to steal person like you know i think he just was a little bit scammy and then when it went wrong he kind of leaned in each time and it grew uh but he became a truly horrible person like it's a it's amazing like you you watch the descent throughout the film of like a couple lies catching up to him and then what he does to get out of that builds a whole new set of lies and a whole new set of problems and then you know like he finally looks like he's out of it but yeah it's it's Ah, no i'd never seen it so i was yeah yeah, right on. It was a it was a first time view for me also when we discussed it, and I I mm. super enjoyed it. Yeah, anxious though, anxious film for What's some that? reason. Anxious film for me for some reason. Like well, I was watching yeah, the whole thing is the web of lies. You know, yeah. you're just kind of like waiting for it to unravel it, and like literally every moment, the the tension of almost every scene is deceit. Yeah, yeah, and that's I mean. I don't know who these people are that can walk around the world just like lying to people. I it just I get so anxious telling the truth. I don't know how you tell somebody a lie. It's insane to me. That's like the thing where you're talking to a police officer and you're a hundred percent like fine and you've never done anything wrong and you still feel super guilty. Yeah. <laughs> like uh. I one time here, I'll illustrate that story through anecdote or point through anecdote um, is I one time got pulled over by the cops and I had my dog in the vehicle and she was in, my dog was in the back seat and the cops, you know, came up with the flashing lights and the sirens and um, one of them asked, so my dog is like starting to bark a little bit, right? And one of them goes, what's wrong with your dog? I'm like, well, she's nervous because of the loud noises and flashing lights. What do you mean what's wrong with my dog? You're rolling up here intimidating us. We're stressed out right now. This is scary. Yeah. No, man. That's that's very relevant to the world at the moment. Yeah. Fuck the police. And also, look who's talking to. (laughs) Jesus. Okay. So right off the bat, uh, if if people have been listening to these podcasts, they know that I actually sincerely enjoyed Look Who's Talking. And Look Who's Talking did all the things right 
that Look Who's Talking 2 did wrong. Like, <laughs> Look Who's Talking 2 is exactly the film that I was assuming Look Who's Talking was going to be. Like, <laughs> so the first one is actually clever, has actual people's intentions and kind of different story. Number two is just exactly what they, they even lean into the like feeding the kids peanut butter to make the lips move more like they're talking, which is <sighs> yes, they do. so awkward. <laughs> we definitely treat these children like Mr. Ed. That 100% <laughs> happens a lot through this movie. And that's not even the most upsetting part. To me, the most upsetting part is the the in utero puppet. <laughs> yeah. That's horrifying, man. The fact and the fact that Roseanne's voice keeps coming out of it, and the yeah. fact that Roseanne's voice is as if she is waking from a coma while she's delivering every line. Yeah. It's all so wrong, man. It's really weird and upsetting. Yeah. It's, yeah, it is upsetting. It was a, it was an upsetting film to watch for me. Like it was the, the bits that were clever in the first one, not a single one showed up in the second one for me. And it was all the, it was all the like, kind of what I was expecting of the first, where I was like, oh, they're just going to drop them together and then it's going to be some antics about some talking babies. And with the first one... Even really antics. Like, That's the worst part about it. There's no antics in this movie. There's none, yeah. Just like sad things that are strangely executed and yeah. then the plot forces people together. So I'll... Uh, start off by saying that I knew we were in trouble when I pulled up the <laughs> pulled up the thing and the runtime clocked in at a cool seventy seven minutes. <laughs> oh, we got issues, man. What? So what could this have been? What did they cut? Where? I mean, is this just like ill-gotten from the beginning? Did they they were like, we need to put one of these out right away. People like hundred percent felt like it was a cash-in because the first one was surprisingly popular. I think the first one, the, the studio that was paying the bill and just kind of like lazily gave them some money to make a movie with babies and then it somehow magically made money and they went, here is another amount of money, make the movie, <laughs> it comes out in spring, <laughs> you know, and they didn't write the story. I mean, nothing happens apart from like, like a fire that made no point. Like there's no, because you know, up the stakes from the first one, right? That's the only reason I can think that the, that happened as opposed to like baby's day out the way that the first one ends. It does feel very rote, sort of like beat for beat. I, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, it will largely be me just going, this doesn't work, this doesn't work. I do want to say one thing that does work, because I want to defend Heckerling a little bit. Yeah. There's the water cooler transition into the, like, when they go into the meeting about the raw food restaurant, and she comes up through the water cooler bubbling Kirstie Alley. Okay. That's really solid. It's like, it's a good joke and it's great direction. It's the one moment in this movie where you're like, oh, yeah. and then it, but that's, I mean, it's gotta be it. <laughs> it's, 
not a great time. And, and speak, uh, well, circling back to it being such a rough time, it not only is the baby doll puppet legitimately frightening. Yep. The way that the the birth and her like the first act of this movie comes to a head when we we find out visually that the umbilical cord is wrapped around the baby's neck, right? Yeah. The movie has no interest in dealing with the fact that this baby almost died, the mother's gone through the extreme trauma of cesarean birth. It, it, and it just is like now on to the fact that she's alive, but it introduces this I, like it's crazy. It shows us the visual of a baby being strangled by an umbilical cord. Yeah, and then just moves the fuck on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that's why I feel like the writing was done because anyone who was sincerely writing this film would go back through, through the edit and go, "Wow, that's a really strong point. We could really build on that." Or, or drop it because it's too strong for a real frivolous movie, you know? <laughs> then it's only 45 minutes long because that's the whole first act is the baby in the, in the womb, in utero. Yeah. So, I don't know, I, I, I'm going to try and unpack it, but I just yeah. don't think there's an answer here. So this is probably an exercise in vain, but at 77 minutes, you have to imagine that they lifted an entire plot line out. Like yeah. Olympia Dukakis is in this movie for one scene, maybe. Yeah. And then we spent a lot of time with, although I really like Ilias Kotas, Koteas? Yeah. Uh, I, by the end of his performance, which that's also totally insane. The way that he gets Kirstie Alley's best friend on board because he always has an unloaded gun around. And then he points it at her best friend and because it's not loaded, she's like, let's date now? Yeah. What yeah. is happening? Yeah. I, you know, I'm not a fan of the, like, chalk it up to a sign of the times argument. But even if you're accepting that argument, this is just un like cuckoo bananas, bonkers town crazy pants on fire it's just so nuts what this movie is asking you to accept in a way that look who's talking it asks you to accept a talking baby but the beat by beat measure of the plot just absolutely tracks and it's yep. informed by the heart of these characters and and this is just nothing this has no heart there's no soul to this there's like this weird dance like song thing about the potty and you're just like if if the rest of the movie was working you you could do that and then it's like oh because they're so with you know so in love or this but it just was like <laughs> i just mate this movie was <laughs> so rough to watch it was brutal dude i'm with you i was just like out of you know, by seven minutes in, I was like, well, thank God I only have to do this 10 more times. Yeah. <laughs> I was thankful it didn't get to 90 minutes. But since I'm savaging it, I want to say one more thing that I do think worked really well taken in isolation, which are okay. other puppets that are not baby shaped. The toilet. Puppet. <laughs> I mean, yeah. fuck all that stuff. But like the toilet puppet really works. You know what I mean? I 
I think that movie is interesting. Yeah. The dealing with the anxiety of childhood and how they have to like totally become an entirely different form of being in the period of like nowhere, right? It's out of nowhere because like the rest of the film doesn't do that. So it, it would make a lot more sense if all his anxieties and all his questions of the universe were animated. And you'd be like, wow, what an interesting film this is. Or if it was actually about, is it Mikey? Do I just, whatever. If it was about Bruce Willis the baby overcoming those anxieties yeah. so that when the fire happens in the last act and he saves his sister, that's actually meaningful to us. But we spend the whole second act on John Travolta and his like, you don't make enough money working seven jobs, which he seems to, you know, whatever. Fuck this movie. Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely a big fuck this movie. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, but, one more one more good thing since it's all just fuck this movie, and it is Elias Coteus. At the towards the end, when they're all sitting around doing taxes, and oh, he's yeah. like way into it and finding the perfect deduction, yeah. I'm fascinated by this character, and I would watch like, look who is also talking. It's the crazy accountant brother. I yeah. want to see that movie. Yeah, like there were, you're right, you're right. Cause there are moments where a different movie existed many times where you kind of like the toilet. Um, that's, that's an interesting concept for a movie is the hearing inside a child's mind and seeing things as scary as they see them. You know, like that's interesting. And then yeah. this, this crazy accountant gun toting, like, uh, like conspiracy theorist, <laughs> film. like he's like man, what a crazy film because he's got like this high, you know, high world accounting thing that he has to kind right. of perform at. But he's yeah, real high status, and then that? he's so like the accounting thing is real high status, and then the <laughs> the just like gun toting Vietnam vet conspiracy man is yeah. the real low status mashup that. Tickles and delights. Yeah. And Ilias Kotick, I'm not good at saying his name, but I really enjoy so many of his performances, namely Casey motherfucking Jones, but also the American remake of, uh, Let, was it Let Me In is the remake? Let the Right One In is the Swedish one? Oh, I never watched the American remake. Um, it's the good. Swedish one was so good. Um, I just, Obviously. I I'm not going to sit here and be like, no, the American one is better. But as American remakes go, it's good. It is totally worth a watch. Okay. I, um, yeah, I, I guess because I just so enjoyed the original, I was like, uh, the remake concept kind of was like, it's so fresh. It was like only a few years old. The remake felt like a, I can do better. And then it's kind of obvious they're not going to do better. <laughs> so I was like, ah, I won't watch it. But um, okay, I'll give it a go. I, here's, well, I mean, there's honestly, there's no reason to if you've, you know, I, I'm, well, the reason to is because Ilias Coteus is really good in it. And there's okay. well-made film. And so like, if you're just kind of like, you know, watching movies, it's totally worth a watch. Okay. The reason that I'll argue for it, and it's, I don't know, man. It's a tough argument to make, but I 
was in a meeting. I might have told you this story one time. <clears throat> I was in a, a big deal meeting, but this guy was legitimately pitching us a remake of Dr. Strangelove. Oh, wow. <laughs> and he was kind of making a pretty good case. Like, it, I've heard way worse pitches in those days, you know what I mean? And yeah. the reason that we all almost bought into it was because he wasn't so much passionate that Dr. Strangelove needed to be remade and that he was the person to do it. He was extremely passionate that the entire world needs to understand what this movie is trying to tell us. Um, and there's a lot of people who just aren't going to watch it because it's in black and white. Yeah. Sorry, that's how it is. But and that the, was the argument. So that was the argument someone made to me about let the right one in. Um, sorry, what's let me in or whatever. Yeah, I, think um, that, I think that's it. It's just that Americans won't read subtitles is the kind of generic thing it's just it's just the the box office says american cinemas will not be filled if it's a subtitled film but they thought the film was good enough that everyone should see it because it was so good so they just kind of remake it english language is the kind of argument that my friend made and i was like well you know what the film was good and if they're never going to watch the other one having a version you can watch is fine um, but it's just not because I, I I don't have a problem with subtitles. It, it's not my no. I well I sometimes have subtitles only because I'm really hypographic. So I will compulsively read the subtitles over and over again just because oh. they're there, and yeah. then I often lose track of the visual space. So yeah. I but I'm not railing against subtitles in any way, shape, or form, and, and certainly appreciate a wide range of movies and you know. Yeah. Um but just to say that 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 there is a separation for people, and I don't know if it's good or bad to like commodify the art to sort of popularize and democratize it. Does bringing it to that many people in turn dilute it because there is it, it, there's a sleepaway camp difference between the american version and the swedish version of let me in and let the right one in the ending is very similar but very specifically not yeah. the same ending <laughs> yeah 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 well this is okay this is entirely like this is entirely why i didn't watch the film was I can't imagine the film being made in Hollywood. That's the thing. I, I like look at the film and the hiding the special effects in like tiny pixels at the back of the scene. You know, like when the when the vampire moves too quickly or something happens, it's far, far away, blurry, or it's off frame and the person's dragged through the water and it's you know, you don't see the stuff, you see the results or you see, and I like, that excites me. But Hollywood won't make that film because the visual effects is how they sell the trailer. So they make the, they make, not, not to their discredit, I'm just saying that film doesn't get made. And the thing that I liked about it was that. Um, yeah, that, I, I, I like visual effects. I work in visual effects. I'm just saying like, sometimes I like, them to be like subtle and small and it was never going to happen and then also the question of the ending 
was never, like Hollywood wasn't going to make that film. No, no, and they sure did not. And But I will say in Hollywood's defense, the kid getting dragged through the water, they do in like mediums and closes, and it's pretty exciting. Oh, cool. Yeah, no, it works pretty well. That I'm being sure. said, I, I do think the height of, or like peak special effect maybe is Jurassic Park. It, it's just that really expert blending of, when we need the practical and when we need to let the digital run. Mate, I'm like, I don't think Jurassic Park has aged. Like not in, like not too much. Like I can watch that film and it's brilliant. And like the reason is because they nailed it. Like they went, I don't need fancy CGI right now. I can do this. And then here I need it. And then here I, you know, like, and they just, cause Spielberg's a master, like, he knows what he's doing and he just makes good fit, like, you know, makes good decisions. Well, that's our Steven Spielberg podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we just got so fed up with. The- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know. So that, I mean, that's look who's talking to next. Are we, is it, oh. is it Clueless next? Is that? I think awesome? we're out of the weeds, man. I think we're, <laughs> We might be going back into the weeds, though. After Clueless, I'm not so sure how this goes. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I could, uh, so back over on Made in the 90s, Dylan was defending Loser. He likes that movie a lot, but I haven't seen it in 10 years. Yeah. Who knows? And then Vamps, I had honestly never heard of. No. But I so like Anderson Ritter, so we'll see. I've never seen Loser. I've never seen Vamps. I've never seen I Could Never Be Your Woman. So we are we are at Clueless, which in the back of my mind, I just like I I just enjoyed. I it made me have aged, and maybe I won't this time. But I'm looking forward to this one. And then stay tuned for when we talk about the perfect movie. I love Clueless. Like it it is legitimately one of my top five kind of all times. I love this movie. And have you watched it recently? I mean, not this year, but yeah, like I, it's a movie that I watch probably once or twice a year. I love because I watched it as a teenager and you know, like early twenties or whatever, and thoroughly enjoyed it. Like I thought all of it worked. Like the 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 pacing, the characters, the like the costuming, like everything is interesting and everything is kind of off kilter, but in a fun and the language. And what would be kind of fun? Maybe um, I'll try and watch some other Emmas leading up to Clueless because there was oh, yeah. the 2021 with um, oh, what's her name from the Vich uh, and Split. What's her, uh, Anna Taylor? Anna Taylor Joy. Oh shit, I don't have her name right. But anyways, right. she was in an Emma from really early this year, and then there's you know the. Gwyneth Paltrow one from like 96, I believe. Okay. I'm just looking. Oh, and Anya Taylor-Joy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, she's, yeah. I've seen seen her at work. So I've seen her on. (laughs) Right on. Um, Yeah, so maybe I'll try and watch some Emmas and we'll compare, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. But I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, until then, this has been the filmography of Amy Heckerling. Don't, guys, don't look who's talking to. 
yeah. Don't, don't look. Just don't look. Don't Google who's talking. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs>